Parshas Balotcha, arrogance and self-esteem. In Parshas Balotcha, we find some of the most glorious words of acclaim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu ever heaped upon a single human being. About Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah tells us, Ve'aish Moshe anav me'od, and the man Moshe was very humble. Mikola Adam, asher al pre'adama. More humble than any other human being on the face of the earth. Bamidbar. Now, the Torah doesn't tell us that he was Chacham Mikola Adam, the wisest man on the face of the earth, although he was. And it doesn't say that he was a Zariz Mikola Adam, and Moshe was that too. There are many words of praise that the Torah could have chosen to laud upon Moshe. Absolutely. And yet, the one thing that the Torah chooses to tell us is that he was more humble than any other human being on the face of the earth. Now, a statement like that about Moshe Rabbeinu, an encomium of such magnitude, deserves to be studied at length. The truth is that we could spend many hours on the subject and it wouldn't be enough. However, the first thing we make note of is that this whole subject of Moshe Rabbeinu's exceptional anivus doesn't really make sense to us altogether. Because according to the way we usually understand the subject of humility, we would have believed that Moshe was a meek person, a quiet and self-effacing man who didn't recognize his own greatness. Isn't that what humility means after all? Doesn't it mean that you have a low opinion of yourself in comparison to others? That you don't consider yourself as wise and as virtuous as others? And so, if we're saying pshat in the Torah, we would have said that the man Moshe was more humble than any other human being on the face of the earth means that Moshe Rabbeinu considered himself inferior to everyone else on the earth. That's what I would have said anyhow. And yet, such a conclusion is impossible to conceive of. It would be preposterous for us to imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu considered himself inferior because in the Torah it's written, Velo kam navi od Never again did there arise a prophet like Moshe, Devorim. Our great Torah teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu, wouldn't deny that pasuk. He had to believe he was the greatest prophet. It's part of the Torah. And it's not just part of the Torah. It's the Torah. Because that's the certification of the whole Torah. That there's no such thing as a prophecy that supersedes the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. Never again, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, will there arise a prophet as great as Moshe. And if anyone should come along subsequently with a claim that he has been given a vision that Moshe's Torah is abolished. The Old Testament was good up to a certain time, but I've been told directly from Hashem himself that from now on it's null and void. So he's a liar and a false prophet. No one will ever have the power to say, I have been given a vision, Mina Shamaim, to nullify what Moshe Rabbeinu taught. Now, of all the men on the face of the earth, Moshe Rabbeinu knew the Torah best, and he certainly believed this fundamental principle, that never again would a Navi arise like himself. Moshe Rabbeinu believed every word of the Torah. He wasn't an apikoros, chas v'sholem. He knew that he was the only man in history to speak face to face with Hashem, and that the Dvar Hashem that had come to the Am Yisrael through him was the final word forever. And so we come back to our question. How could it be that the man who was greater than anyone on the face of the earth was also humbler than anyone on the face of the earth? 
it presents a problem to the usual definition of meekness, because Moshe certainly knew his worth. He certainly didn't have an inferiority complex. So we'll have to repeat what we've said before from the Chayvus Lavavus. A behema, he says, also seems to be an anav. You see a big ox, and he's being driven down the road by a little boy. Now your standard ox weighs more than 1,000 pounds, and the little boy is maybe 70, 80 pounds. The ox could step on him and mash him in an instant, but it marches along meekly, following the boy's commands. So, you're going to tell me this ox is an anav? No, it's not an anav. It's just a dumb ox. It has no seichel. It doesn't know its own power. It's not aware of its capabilities. So a leader of the Am Yisrael, even if he's an anav, can't be a dumb ox. He can't be someone who yields. Moshe Rabbeinu was not a nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't a milk toast. He didn't yield to Korach or to anybody else. He was a strong man, and he spoke with his teeth when he had to. He showed anger too. Moshe Rabbeinu was angry at the commanders of the troops. Bamidbar. Or when the Seir Achatas was burned. Moshe got angry with Elazar and Isamar. Darosh, darash Moshe. He demanded to know, what's the reason you burned the Korban? He didn't walk away meekly, doubting himself. He was tough. He demanded to know, why didn't you eat the Korban? And yet, as big as he was, as imposing and as tough as he was, when it was needed, he was an unhoved towards men. Certainly Moshe Rabbeinu dealt with his fellow man in a most humble manner when it was called for. All of our great men were like that. If someone didn't deal with others with anivus, then you can be sure he wasn't great. Certainly you could be the greatest of men and yet see the greatness of others. Certainly you can be the most honored man and still treat everyone else with honor. And that very great achievement of Moshe Rabbeinu, to appreciate your self-worth and yet to learn how to be humble towards all people is one that we all have to try to imitate. Like it says in one Sefer, one of the questions that you will ask a man in the next world is, Did you make your chaver reign over you with your gentleness? That's a question you're going to have to answer on the great day of judgment. Did you or didn't you? Instead of ruling over your fellow by means of your attitude, by means of opening a big mouth, did you speak gently to him? Did you make him feel like he's more important than you? It's a question you'll have to answer one day. Now it's not as easy as it sounds because we're not humble. Actually, we think very highly of ourselves. And when someone thinks highly of himself, it just can't be helped. He looks down on other people. Sometimes he'll even talk against them and belittle them. You hear it all the time. Even by ignorant people, unlearned people stand on the telephone and you hear them knocking this one and knocking that one, belittling this person and that person. If you sit next to one of these people in the base Knesset and listen to him for just a little bit, you'll find out right away that you're sitting next to somebody great. He's knocking everyone. The man sitting behind him, the Rav, the Gabai, the Chazan, nobody matches up to him. That's why he knocks people. He considers himself superior and he looks down on them. It's the most natural thing there is. Even a little baby standing in his crib is full of gaiva. 
He loves to do things to get attention. He'll jump up and down in his crib so that you'll clap at him. A little child thinks he's everything. Ani ve'afsiod. I am everything. And besides for me, nothing counts in this world. He thinks the whole world is bottled to him. What he wants, that's what's important in this world. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he stamps his feet and goes into a tantrum. He shouts and screams for it. The world revolves around him. And only him. Now in the course of time, as he gets older, he begins to recognize that there are other people in the world besides him. And he gains a certain understanding of how to adjust to mankind. In order to interact with society, he learns to squelch his gaiva within him. But it's still there. It's very much there. What he does and how he does it and how he thinks, that's the right way to be. I know that my judgment is best, he thinks. Sometimes I can make an error, but in general, my mind is more straight than most people. And he is so proud of himself that he looks down on very many people. He makes them nothing at all. But the cold, hard truth is that a man is accustomed to considering himself important, not because he made any calculation. He never took the time to study the virtues of others and the virtues that he possesses and compare them. No, he never made such a reckoning. He instinctively knows that he is better. It's the most natural instinct in the world. And therefore, if we're going to overcome that instinct, it will take some effort. In order to counter that inborn feeling of your own importance, you must get busy studying the good qualities of other people. Recognizing virtues in other people is the first step to becoming a humble person, a person who won't be embarrassed to answer that question. Did you make your chava reign over you? That's the first exercise for building up our humility muscles to spend some time looking for virtues in other people. And if you look, you're certainly going to find. You'll find everybody has some good points. You'll be surprised how many there are. You might even find that others are just as great as you are, maybe even more important than you are. We've been turning our eyes away from everyone else's good points because we prefer to think about our own qualities. We like it better that way. But it's not a matter of putting yourself down. What we're saying here is that you have to start lifting others up. Now don't tell me that you know all about it. It's not true. You never did it. You never set a sad time to think about the qualities of somebody else. It could be that once it accidentally came into your head that this person has this mila or somebody else has a different good quality, but that's not enough. You must spend time thinking about it. If you're willing to think a little, then after a while you begin to see that you're not the only tzaddik in the world. Other people are full of good things too. And little by little, you'll begin to level out with other people. Maybe you'll even end up feeling inferior to many people. When you start studying people individually, one at a time, you'll be amazed at the good qualities of other people. And little by little, the gaiva, the arrogance will start to leach out of you. When you search out for the good qualities in others and realize that the other people are good too, that's one of the ways to work on overcoming gaiva. It's one of the ways of beginning to walk the path of humility that Moshe Rabbeinu walked his whole life. And that means walking the path to greatness. That's what the Sephardim say. When you look in Musa Sephardim and you study the subject of humility, you see that it's the foundation of so many good meters. Another is a shame hakolel, a general term that includes many good things. 
All the good midas of character are subdivisions of humility. And on Vosun, a humble person is beloved by all those around. Not only is he not arrogant, but he is kindly and patient. He's forgiving too. Someone who is an anav to the people around him is walking on the road to greatness. Now you'll notice that when it comes to Anivas, the Sephardim always emphasize Ben Adam L'chavero, the humility that one is supposed to feel towards his fellow man, because that is the most usual understanding of humility. Against whom are people arrogant? Against other people. And therefore, that is the definition that we usually think of, to be an Anav, a humble fellow, to everybody. And that's why the Avoida of studying the virtue of others is so important. However, when you study the Chayv HaSalavavas and you reach the Shad HaKiniyah, the section where he's teaching us about the Midah of humility, you'll seek in vain if you look for the quality in the way we've spoken about it here tonight. The Chayv HaSalavavas is a Sefer Ban Adam Lamakum, an instructional manual for how to live in this world with Hashem. And so when he talks about humility, he introduces us to something entirely new altogether. Pay attention to this, because this is the whole subject of tonight. It's a fundamental concept that deserves to be studied at length. When the Chayvah Slavavas talks about being an Anav, he says that humility means being an Anav towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the definition of humility as supplied by the Chayvah Slavavas. You have to learn how to be a humble person in your dealings with Hashem. Now, most people, when they hear this, they think, is it really necessary to tell me to be an anav to Hashem? They don't even know what it means. But the Chayvah Zalavavah considers it extremely necessary. And he tells us a big chiddish, that when the Torah praises Moshe Rabbeinu for his humility, it was primarily because of this anivas. He was humbled before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now we understand, of course, that if the Torah tells us he was most humble, he was certainly humble to other people as well. Moshe Rabbeinu treated everyone with respect. Certainly he was a humble man, Ben Adam L'chaveiro. But what we're learning now is that even the humility of Moshe Rabbeinu was built upon the more sublime humility. Humility towards Hashem. That's what the Chayvah Salavavas is teaching us. Now if we're going to try to take something out of tonight's speech, we should try to understand as best as we possibly can what it was that Moshe Rabbeinu did to achieve such a humility a humility to Hashem that brought him such praise in the Torah. We certainly won't be able to understand everything on the level that Moshe Rabbeinu understood it. But one thing we do know is that this most humble of all men wasn't born humble. He rose to greatness by means of a lot of work. And so, it's something we can emulate. It's something we should emulate. So we look back in our Parsha and we see that the first thing the Torah tells us about Moshe Rabbeinu after praising his Anivas is that Utmunat Hashem Yabit. Moshe was a man who looked at the likeness of Hashem. Baloscha. More than anybody else who ever lived, Moshe Rabbeinu kept before him the image of Hashem. He couldn't see Hashem. But as much as a human being could be aware of his presence, Moshe achieved that. And just like when a man stands in front of a king, even if he himself is a duke, a lord of vast estates, but in the presence of a king, he is humble. He bows or prostrates himself. Let's say the Duke of Glasgow comes to visit the king of England. Now in Glasgow, he has a big palace with many servants. He has a chariot too with footmen. 
a whole retinue he has. But when he comes to stand before the king of England, he stands humbly before him with his head bowed low. When you stand near a king, no matter how great you are, you're humbled before him. If you know you're standing in front of someone important and you have even a little bit of seichel, you'll feel a sense of humility. And so lahavdil, when someone stands before our Kaddish Baruch Hu, like Moshe Rabbeinu did, he's automatically humble. Diber Hashem el Moshe, panim el panim. Moshe knew Hashem face to face. And that's why Ha'ish Moshe anav me'od. That's why he was the most humble of all men. Not because I'm nothing. No, I'm something. I am very important. Was Moshe the smallest of men? No, he was the greatest of men. And he knew that. But I'm standing in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when someone stands in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he is automatically humble. And therefore, no matter how much Moshe Rabbeinu recognized his excellence, no matter how great he knew that he was, but he was always meek. He was humble more than any other man because more than any other man, he was aware that he was standing lifnei Hashem. Hashem was engraved on his mind in letters that could never be erased, even for a moment. There wasn't a heisech hadas. Even for a second, he didn't forget that he was standing lifnei Hashem. And if you're standing in front of Hashem, you automatically become an anav. You don't have to study it in the Sephardim. Automatically, you lower your head because you're always in a mood of humility. That's how Moshe Rabbeinu lived his life. And that's why he became the anav mikol adam. Now, once we understand that true anava, the genuine humility that Hashem desires from us is based on the recognition that you're standing always before Him. It means that the more you'll practice up, that you're in the presence of Hashem all the time, the more of an anav you become. The Pasuk says, Hashem mishamayim hishkif al adam. Hashem is looking down on human beings constantly. Liros hayesh maskil doirish et elokim. He wants to see. Is there anyone who is thinking about me? Tehillim. He's looking at you all the time. And Pirkei Avos teaches us that. We need to live our lives with this understanding. Da ma lemala mimcha. You have to know what's above you. Ayin ro'eh. An eye is looking at you. Avos. Da means that you have to know it. You have to feel it with all your being. All the ones who keep that in mind, they become the true one of him. They become the truly humble people because they are humbled before Hashem. When I was in Slabatka, I heard from the older yeshiva men that there was a Musr shtibel in Kovno, a special Musr house. So I left the Seder once and I went there. I left the yeshiva and I walked across the river and went to the Musr house. They told me it's always locked, but there is a loose brick where they keep the key hidden. They described to me where the loose brick is and they said that I should pull it out pull out that loose brick, and that I would find the key there. So sure enough, I saw the loose brick, I pulled it out, and I found the key, and I let myself in. I walked in, and I was all by myself in the old Musser house. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking, okay, I'm here, but what should I do? It's an opportunity. So I was thinking, I should work on this. Hashem is looking at me. So I sat there for an hour. For a full hour, I sat there by myself, thinking that Hashem is looking at me. It was in the old Musr Shtibel in Kovno. 
I don't regret that experience. Not at all. It's so important, and you must find time for it. The great Sadiqim of ancient times spent weeks and months on that. Of course, they did other things too. But they constantly worked on this attitude, this awareness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking. All the time, his eyes are looking at you. Now there's another very valuable method of working your way towards the humility that comes from awareness of Hashem. The Anivas that Moshe Rabbeinu is so praised for. You remember when Moshe was commissioned by Hashem to go back to Mitzrayim to speak to Paro. He said, Lo ish devarim anoichi. I am not a man of words. Shemos. So some people think it means he was tongue-tied with a stammer. But that's not so. The Peshat and the Chumash is different than that. Than what we think. I am not a man of words means that he was a man unaccustomed to talking. He had trained himself to keep his mouth Closed. And it was by means of that training that Moshe Rabbeinu achieved that eternal title of Anav Me'od Mikol Adam, the most humble of all men. It's an important lesson you're hearing now. One of the ways of gaining humility is to be a man of few words. Sometimes you watch a man sitting on a park bench and he's talking for hours. You might even envy him. You'd fall short of words if you would open your mouth and yet he's a fountain of speech. Words just flowing so naturally from him. And people are listening to him. And you're watching him and thinking, what does he have to talk about so much? The answer is, he's talking about himself. What he saw, what he heard, what he did. The man is emptying out all that he has. It's a mida of egoism. A person is interested in himself and he wants to show himself to others. Talking is the opposite of humility. And that answers for us a question, something that at first glance seems quite puzzling. In Hilchis Deus, the Rambam introduces us to the Mida of humility. He's telling us there about the dangers of Gaiva, and he advises us to go to the extremes of humility. It's not the proper path to just be somewhat of a humble person. Instead, you should be a shfal ruach. It means you should be very, very humble. And then suddenly, in the middle of this discussion, the Rambam says like this, a man should always train himself to be as silent as possible. He should speak only in words of wisdom or words that are necessary for his daily existence. Now, to the casual reader, it seems like the Rambam is switching gears. He's talking about arrogance and suddenly he switches topics altogether. And he's warning us against unnecessary words. It seems to be a non-sequitur. But if you'll analyze it properly, you'll see it's not so. And that's because silence is another. Not talking is both the cause and result of humility. Because silence means that you know that you're standing in the presence of someone. Shlomo HaMelech taught us that. In Kohelas, he teaches us the secret of true anava. Al tivahel al picha. Don't be in a hurry to express yourself. Your heart, your mind, shouldn't be in a hurry to say something in the presence of Hashem. When you're sitting at the table with your family, your friends, Hashem is present. So keep quiet, says Shlomo. Because Hashem is in the heavens and you're down below on earth. Therefore, your words should be few. 
if a man opens his mouth and words flow out without restraint. So it means he doesn't feel like he's in anybody's presence. If you're talking with the Gadol Ador, with, let's say, Rav Shach, Rav Moshe Feinstein, would you talk much? If you have any sense at all, you wouldn't say a word. Let's say you meet the Sayatarav on Bedford Avenue. You're standing in front of him and somebody comes over to you. Hey, Chaim, what time is it? Would you say, it's three o'clock? No, you keep quiet. You keep your mouth shut when you're standing in front of your Rebbe. Let him talk. You keep quiet. Someone with Chochmah doesn't open his mouth when he's standing in front of someone bigger than him. Not only in the presence of an Adam Gadol. Even if a rich man was standing here, you would talk in subdued tones. A rich man once came down to our Yarche Kala. He was a very rich man. And when he walked in, everyone was subdued. It quieted down. For what? For nothing. He wouldn't give us anything anyhow. The rich sometimes give the least of all. And we knew him already. He wouldn't give anything. But still we quieted down because we were aware that we were in the presence of a wealthy person. We had a certain respect for him. We were talking in a whisper. You see it again and again. The president of the board of directors walks into the yeshiva, into the base medrash, and it quiets down. Right away, it's quiet. Even the rabbis begin speaking quietly. The bacharim, instead of chattering loudly and laughing now, they're talking in subdued tones. The big man is here. Now, there's someone who's bigger than the president of the board, bigger than Avshach and the Sayyidah of Lahavdil. Anyone who opens his mouth and talks as much as he wants, that's a demonstration that he's not standing in the presence of Hashem. He doesn't feel it at all. There's no question about it. If you talk according to your heart's desire, then you don't believe in Hashem. You don't have any amuna. I don't care how you look and what you profess to be. If you're going to chatter without restraint, you're not standing lifnei elokim. I'm not talking now about frumkite. Frumkite is not yiras shamayim. There's no connection at all. Frumkite is a certain habit, a very good habit. But that's all it is, a good habit. Yiras shamayim is something else altogether. It means you're aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And if you're aware that you're actually standing in front of Hashem, so you don't open your mouth and talk. The fact that you keep your mouth closed indicates that you realize that you're standing in front of somebody. Just like you wouldn't shoot off your mouth in the presence of somebody important, you don't chatter in the presence of Elohim Bashamayim. Now such a madrega, such a level of awareness, seems to be out of reach for most of us. And that's because, for us, Hashem is a name in the Siddur. That's all. He's in the shul, maybe. We'll give him that. Halavai, we should stop talking in the shul when the siddur is open. But how do plain people like us achieve such awareness and awareness of the presence of Hashem at all times? The answer is that there is a great principle which is taught to us by the Mesilus Yisharim who uses it extensively. It's such an important psychological principle that it cannot be overstated. Briefly stated, the principle is as follows. Hachitsoinius meoreres the exteriority bestirs the interiority. It means that our outward acts stir up inwardly reactions within us. It's like a man who comes to shul in the morning and he's tired and lazy. He has no enthusiasm. So what does he do? Usually nothing. 
But if he learned this Eitzah from the Mesilas Rishonim, so he opens his big mouth and he forces himself to shout, Hodu Hashem Kiru Bishmo, Hodu Hashem Alilosav. He doesn't mean it at all, but he shouts anyhow. And after a while, his outwardliness stirs up a reaction inwardly, and he becomes enthusiastic too. The same is in case you don't love a certain person, but as you pass by, you give that person a friendly smile. It warms you up, and you become friendly to him. You're not in the mood, but by opening your mouth, by moving your limbs and making the motions of enthusiasm, you'll see soon that it will evoke from you an attitude of enthusiasm and readiness. It's a very important principle you're hearing now. If you want to change, then act like you're good. And that's the way to stir up a reaction inside of you. Act like a gentleman. Act like a decent person. Act like you want to be davening with kavana. You're not deceiving anybody because the result will be that it's going to warm you up and you'll actually become that. And so we should make use of that principle for our subject as well. So what if you're not aware of Hashem right now, but you want it and you're willing to practice it? If we want to train ourselves to be humble like Moshe Rabbeinu, we have to do things externally to waken those emotions of awareness of the presence of Hashem. If a man behaves as much as he can, as if he's standing in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch even though he doesn't feel it at all, but he knows that he wants to feel it. And so when the time comes to open his mouth and he clamps down and desists, that's going to make him feel as if he was standing, Lifne Elokim. He doesn't feel it at all, but it's going to have an effect on him. Just like the man who does feel that he's standing, Lifne Elokim, and he keeps quiet because of that. The one who goes through the motions is also little by little going to stir up within himself a genuine emotion of awareness of Hashem. It's an avoid. It takes practice. You practice it up a few times during the day. Instead of opening my mouth, I'm going to squelch these wise cracks that I wanted to say because I'm in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By means of restraining that litzonis that you wanted to say, don't say it. By acting as if you're standing Lifnei Alokim, it's going to gain for you a genuine feeling of Amuna that you are standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You want to hear more? If possible, you should try to make yourself inconspicuous when you come together with people. Let's say you come to a wedding. Don't stand in the middle of the floor greeting everybody and acting as if you're the most important person there. Like a president, greeting all the visitors that come in his reception. No. You sit at the side like a wallflower, like an unimportant person, keeping your mouth closed. Not because you're shy or humble, you're just practicing. When you come to the basic anesis, try to make the least noise that you can. Try to crush, to repress the urge to show yourself. Not that you are nobody. You're a somebody, absolutely. But if Hashem is also in the room, then it's hard to shoot off your mouth no matter how important you are. The purpose of opening the mouth and talking is to show, I am here, look at me. And that's why it takes effort to be silent because you're battling against this animal within you that wants to bark or meow or make noises to show that it's there, to demonstrate anoichi. And therefore, when a man is able to keep his mouth closed with the opposite purpose in mind, by reminding himself that he's humble before Hashem, he's already walking in the footsteps of Moshe Rabbeinu. And so we come back 
to what is said about Moshe Rabbeinu in our parsha. Ve'aish Moshe anav me'od. Moshe was a very humble man. Bamidbar. It doesn't say there that he was humble. No, he was humble. Me'od. Very humble. More humble than anyone on the face of the earth. And that's because he was more aware of Hashem than anyone else on the face of the earth. Because Temunas Hashem Yabit. That's why he was the Anav Mikol Adam. True humility is the sign of an Eved Hashem because it comes from awareness of him. That's why all those who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu and believe in him implicitly are called Anavim. When David HaMelech wanted to tell how HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved him from his enemies, he said, Bahashem Tithalel Nafshi. My soul takes pride in Hashem because he came and saved me from all kinds of trouble during my career. Yishmuhu anovim v'yismachu. Let the humble listen and let them rejoice. Tehillim. I want to tell you now how HaKadosh Baruch Hu steps in and helps, says David. And you people, you humble people, should listen and rejoice. Now, where does humble come in here? All of a sudden, he's calling them humble. It should have said, Yishmi'u tzaddikim, or Yishmi'u yireim. Listen, you tzaddikim, or listen, you ones who fear Hashem. Maybe, Yishmi'u ma'aminim v'yismachu. Listen up, you faithful ones, and rejoice. But instead, he says, Yishmi'u anavim. Let the humble, the meek, listen and rejoice. What is David trying to say? The answer is that the Anav in Tehillim is the same Anav as in our Parsha. It means somebody who has a genuine awareness of Hashem. He's fully convinced and he always feels that he's standing in the presence of Hashem. It's not merely that he signs on the dotted line, Ani Mamin, I am a Mamin. You sign off that you believe in Hashem and that's all? No, that's not a Mamin. A real ma'amin is one who feels the presence of Hashem so strongly that he is nichna before him. It can't be helped. He doesn't have to learn in the Sepharim how to be an anav. He actually feels humbled. And that's because he knows. He actually senses that he is standing before Hashem. And of all people in the world, there was nobody who understood that he was standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu at all times. Like Moshe Rabbeinu did. Have a wonderful Shabbos.